0: Big welcome to Ed from World Fund. Um, lots of consumers um, want to see a change in the food system, and there was a, uh, a large piece of research published in August last year that found over half of us want to change our diet to make it more environmentally friendly, and nearly 70% think the government should be doing more to encourage more sustainable diets. Um, so, along with um, his business partners, Andy Cato and George Lamb, Ed founded Wild Farm in 2018. Um, Prior to that, uh, Ed was working in financial markets and investments for more than 20 years. His route to wild farming stemmed from a conversation with his friend George to the point he was looking for a a change and to do something that contributed more to society. So he left the role um, at the equity derivatives broker Sunrise to help realise the vision. I mean, amazing. Wild Farms trying to create a market for farmers that rewards the quality of their crops, soils and ecosystems. Um, So they're creating a community of bakeries, restaurants, producers, um, people that want to fix food and fix the planet. So um, welcome, Ed, and thanks ever so much for joining us this morning. I've been excited about this for a
1: while. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) Matt.
0: Pleasure. So can I start with a really big question, please? (laughs) what What is wild farmed?
1: Wow, that is a big question. Um, (laughs) You did a bit of it there. Um, (laughs) What what is Wild Farm? Uh, It's an end to end, uh, fully transparent supply chain that is connecting farmers, food businesses, and consumers to be a part of the problem to the biggest uh, issue that we face today, which is uh, climate change and feeding the world.
0: How did it? come about i mean I, i've sort of yeah, talked this, this is a
1: about long story so i'm going to do it quickly or it'll take the whole meeting <laughs> no problem uh uh 17 years ago uh, my co-founder andy who was working as a musician at the time mm-hmm. uh, was on his way back from a gig and he came across an article about modern agriculture and at the end of the article a brilliant bit of journalism it said if you don't like the system don't depend on it and, um, and his response to that uh, where was to start growing food for his family when he was living in southwest France. Um, and the moment he his first seed germinated, he thought, why isn't this the first thing, the last thing we're taught in school? Um, and he got the bug. And to cut an extremely long story short, he uh, sold his publishing rights to his music. He bought a farm. He embarked upon um, a series of many, many years of trials of how to grow in a way that supports soil biology and improves soil rather than extractive farming behavior of um, conventional farming or even standard organic farming. Mm -hmm. And, um, And then when he managed to grow these crops in a way that um, that did support and improve soil biology. He he found by taking it to the market that the market doesn't care, because markets are by definition completely fungible, commoditized products. Mm -hmm. And so to extract that extra bit of value um, was where I came on board and said, I think we should set up a business whereby started with a little um, bakery in France and now today it's a flour and food business. Um, where we are empowering customers to become part of the solution by buying these products.
0: Would you mind just explaining a little bit about how, how the crop is different to traditional farming?
1: Yeah, so one of Andy's light bulb moments was when he came across a book, a very old book, by a guy called Albert Howard, which is an agricultural testament, and if you only ever read one book about farming, we say it should be that. But the name of the game is diversity, basically, which is how um we created food for, for it's, uh, millennia and it's um when we start separating these plants out into monocrops and removing animals from the fields is when a lot of the problems come in um and um uh, and that's when soil biology is getting eroded and we've you know that that's the road that we've been on we've spent mm-hmm. up a lot in the last 70 years with uh, a big agriculture and a chemical based agriculture
0: so obviously having a more diverse um crop um has a has an impact on um soil health is that is that quite well understood yeah, well that's
1: interesting it's it's a thing that I, I don't think is well understood. I okay. I didn't as you said at the beginning I was part of the urban population that consumes food and is completely oh. divorced from where it's grown and how it's grown. Mm-hmm. Um, but um I, I think within I mean within farming it's known even the classic organic farming is you put fertility builders down for a few years and then cash the crop in. Whereas mm-hmm. actually, if, what we're trying to do is create the circumstance in the field where you don't have to build fertility and cash it in. As yeah. such, you can have a perennial system that, um, that 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 can that can feed us year in year out, rather than uh, a tonnage-based system, which is that's the, one of the main problems: is we measure everything in tons rather than in what's actually the quality of the product that's coming out of the field
0: yes yeah absolutely no i, I can understand no, i
1: think soil biology is not understood one of our advisors is a guy called john crawford who's one of the world's leading soil scientists and he okay. has a beautiful quote where he says 10 years ago i think i understood 0.1 percent about soil and now <laughs> i think i understand 0.01 percent about soil and uh, he he will he will uh, demonstrate that we know more about outer space than we know about how soil works but what we are observing is, and there's been a lot more talk about these days, is you know, fungal networks under the ground, mycelium networks, these kind of things. And there's an awful lot of um, similarities with like, gut microbiome. And I guess you know as much about more about this than I do probably well, But ultimately, soil contains what the plants need to feed it. But the biology mm-hmm. has to be working correctly in the soil for the plant to be able to access um, all the nutrients and, uh, and minerals within it
0: yeah yeah no absolutely no I get that I mean it's 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 fascinating both what happens in the soil and also in the plant in the plants themselves yeah do you know if there's much study being done just on the on the flip side of that so obviously there's the soil health impact but also there's the plant health and the nutritional profile Mm -hmm. impact as well is there much data on the the improvement in the nutritional profile of the ingredients you produce
1: yeah definitely not enough and it's a, and it's an area that i want to work more on you know we are working with, what we're doing on the plants themselves is we're doing a lot of sap analysis so mm-hmm. these will tell us what the plant is getting from the soil because a lot of the time if a plant doesn't look very healthy farmers will just stick a load of nitrogen on like an insane amount of nitrogen on and get the plant to grow more above the ground but then quite often you'll pull that plant out of the ground and it'll have completely clean roots so it's yeah. not accessing anything from the soil we have um one of the farms we work with that i'm actually at today they did a sap analysis on and um, the nitrogen was absolutely abundant but they're short on boron and uh, and a bit short on manganese and these are things that i think people are only just starting to talk about you know what are the things we can do andy's first farm in france he spent many 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 years Putting a huge diversity of different crops down and grazing it with animals, and mm. that's for sure the, the natural nature's way of doing it. But if we need to transition uh, more quickly, and we can use some of the foliar sprays that are around today that are absolutely, uh, you know, the seaweed seaweed sprays and compost sprays, to be fair, from organic from organic, mm. uh, from organic uh, sources, and then um, then I think this this is a thing we need to be talking much more about, and then we can start really getting into uh what's the the nutrition from one crop to the next because you know going back to these fungible markets one um tomato is not equal to another tomato you know I think yeah. there's gonna be much more focus on how it was grown, and what was done to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's the the whole particularly when it comes down to micronutrients, so things like vitamins and minerals. Um, there's an in, there's an increasing focus on um moving from the bad old days if i can say this of just sort of adding extra micronutrients into food to to pump them up a bit doing it naturally is very much where the market is and is going um you know and not just sticking a plant in a pot that's got extra potassium in it just so you can have some out the other end right um, <laughs> it's very much about doing it doing it the right way um well, and in
1: systems that, that are you know that are balanced systems. You know, yeah. this isn't come out of some um, like luddite hippy dippy, or you know, I'm uh, um, uh, anti anti technology. This is, you know, this we, we the, the way we're farming means that we are going to reach terminal soil depletion in sixty years. Some people say less, mm. and we won't be able to feed ourselves anymore. So I'd say at the root of all this, this is a food security question, and and that's a couple of sides to that coin can we continue feeding ourselves and also can we continue feeding ourselves in fully transparent traceable um, uh, decentralized food network or are we going to be uh, remain dependent on uh, completely anonymous commoditized markets where um, we don't know where the grains coming from or what's being done to it all we know is that it's hit a certain protein score and again mm. in very sad circumstances there's been a massive light shone on that in the last uh, you know sort of eight weeks with all the sad Uh, situation that's happening in the Ukraine where a vast number of people who are are technically our competitors who might um, sell themselves as like um, uh, some uh, bucolic image of an Italian mill, but actually they're buying their grain in the Ukraine and we've all seen what's happened to wheat prices have gone through the roof in recent time because no one knows where they're coming from.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: What you're eating, how it's being grown uh or um or if you realistically can continue can assume you can continue buying it
0: yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's it sounds like the ultimate answer just sustainability
1: yeah exactly
0: um are you aware around the world um how much effort's being put into wild farming
1: yeah, I mean, wild farmed is a, is a term that we came up with just because we like the juxtaposition of nature is wild and then farming is clearly the antithesis of it. Thank but regenerative you. agriculture is really, there's some fantastic people doing a lot of stuff all around the world. We're just one set of people with one set of ideas. And we definitely don't um, pretend to have the last word in any of it. But what it is at the moment is it's niche <clears throat> and disparate. And I think uh, a customer needs uh, something that is uh, unified and easy to understand, and that's what we spend a huge amount of our time doing. and we've been um, an ingredient business uh, since the beginning, and we're now starting to become a food business of so opening you know um, our own production units. And, uh, and I think as we saw um, with the rise of the sort of, altern- of the old meat business, consumers will get behind a simple, easy to understand message. And I think a very natural move on from veganism is an apologies for this term in advance, but is the climatarian in the in the Gen Z conscious yeah. consumer. Oh. Um, and I think if we're going to eat less meat, we're going to eat more crops. What crops? How are they grown? What does it say about me, the implication of, of me um, eating these? And I think just having a sustainable system is not going to be enough because we naturally uh, eating food and the whole farming thing is extractive so we're all Mm -hmm. in an extractive business here so I think we need to think about how can we make that regenerative
0: yes yeah absolutely are you seeing much pull from consumers into this way of farming or is it is it more being driven by farmers and producers at the moment
1: no that's an interesting one we definitely are like we where we our original sort of uh, classic target base was the, the 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 artisan bakery community who they understand this they love the products in the very high-end restaurants and they are because then what's really important is they love the flavor of it this isn't some worthy um oh i'm only just doing it because it's good for me we we all know it's got to taste good and mm. it was led by people who really understand that things that are grown this way are have a have a quality to them in the same way that I don't think foraging would be a thing if there wasn't some deep understanding that nature could do things in a way that, that it's very difficult for humans to repeat. So, so the pull has been coming from the, the community of artisans, definitely. But what's more interesting now is the move into much bigger businesses. So we've recently signed a contract with one of the biggest supermarkets in the world on loaf and every brand from Q4. And the problem we're solving for these guys is that uh, we're helping them reduce their extractive behaviour from within their supply chain, rather than just going and planting a load of eucalyptus trees and the never, never, and saying you've got a carbon sinking X, Y, Z.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that, that's quite interesting. And at, at the moment, um, um, you know, every, there's always cost implications to, to mm. these things. What, what does it? What does this look like compared to conventional products? Is it a premium offering at the moment? Yes,
1: it is It is a a premium offering. But the interesting thing about the unit economics of baked goods is the flour tends to be the cheapest product in it. Um, Yes. And and it tends to be quite a small percentage of the end sale price. So I think, um, and actually in in absolute terms, it's pennies as well, which I know adds up in terms of margins, but it's not like dealing in meat where... The percentages are much more significant, so it, there is a small premium that we found people being able to pass it on very easily, um, because as I said before, flour is absolutely cheap in uh, and it is um, and it's a small percentage of it, uh, and I think the conscious consumer again is happy to vote that way. You know, yeah. I think that it's, it's an interesting way for people to express um, uh, who they want to be and, and what systems they want to support.
0: Yeah, that's 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 really good to hear actually. Um, you know, as a product developer, we always have about six hats on when we're developing products, you know, it's it's we've got an array of ingredients we could use. What do we want to use? What's going to resonate with the customer? Can we afford them?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and actually, if the the potential on cost is minimal for a potentially better sensory experience and a and a sustainable experience, then that's that's fantastic.
1: Is why it's been important for us to go down the brand route, and this touched on a couple of questions ago you asked me, which is there are many farmers doing interesting things, but the customers don't know about it. So we spend a huge amount of time making noise. We made a, a silly film about um, about uh, the story about bread, and we're trying very hard to make it very clear. Which system do you want to support? And a brand is very useful for that. You know, we've seen brands on products all sorts of products that customers have got interested in, you know, kids really care about an air text t-shirt with a specific um, label on it. And we know they care a lot about sneakers and what have you. So I think which food choices you make are important and having a brand around um, a regenerative uh, business, I think is a really, well, it's the lever that we've chosen to, uh, to, uh, to pull to approach it.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's cool. And, and, and uh, I was going to, going to just touch on them. Um, on scalability, actually. I mean, the fact that you're talking to a big supermarket sort of makes a statement for its own, but I think I read that you've got about 40 farmers at the moment growing under contract with wild-farmed.
1: Yeah, we do. We've got uh, 40 farmers growing under protocols uh, that that are our wild-farm protocols uh, across the UK and a a small number in France still from where Andy started his journey. Mm -hmm. Um, To give you an idea of scale, we've got on wait list uh, 75,000... Um, acres of land of, of growers that want to come and grow with us which I think is about 1% uh, sorry, it's about uh, 10% of the arable land in the UK wow. and uh, if if we can, if we're balancing supply and demand with obviously a, between a year to 18 month time lag normally yes. so um, you know, big supermarkets coming on, I'm at the farm here today with one of the, with, with the team including the owner of one of the biggest fast casual um, restaurant uh, chains in the UK and the, the exact comment I've just been having to, to that guy is you can make huge impact, we can unlock these farmland if you're buying the flour and then the next step down for us and we go into the consumer goods it'll be the same to the consumer on the street that's the empowering message, we can all listen to Greta or watch David Attenborough and feel a bit hopeless and that we can't do anything about it and our message is a, is, is is an empowering one, a hopeful one which is just buy this one rather than this one and you can be part of a uh, you know part of the solution
0: yeah that that's amazing how does the how does the relationship work with all the different farmers
1: yeah so that's a really interesting one we i mean as far as the business side of it goes we agree a very fair price with them as a premium product so we can afford to pay a premium price to the farmers uh, right. before a growing season so we're doing a bunch of agreements now it is april for grain that will be sown this autumn and the following spring that we'll harvest the following um, July, August. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they will grow uh, for us under contract, uh, but it's all bilateral contracts. And then what we're doing is very important. There's a building a community. It's not just a supplier, uh, relationship we're talking about what's your experiences you know because we, we don't pretend to have all the answers and nobody does but shared experience in community building is something that we found the farms are really interested in which we're doing a series of open days at all of the different farms one of our farms is being featured on spring watch and winter watch and what have you right we, yeah we had um we had a, a very well-known tv personality who has a farming show we used to have a car show come down the other week and was um you know, very excited about being part of it because of the community element to Mm. to what we're doing. So I think that's a a big part of it. See the business side is this whole thing's rooted in paying farmers fairly. When I got involved with Andy, as you said at the beginning, my background's finance, what I couldn't understand about farming was, was farming is people go in at the beginning of the year to make a product with no idea how much it's going to cost them because they don't know what the fertilizers and the then the fuel's going to cost them. And they don't know how much they're going to sell it for at the end. It's the worst business in the world. I would never enter into it. So we try to reduce a lot of, and in farming, then you've got the weather, of course. So we try to um, reduce a lot of the sort of known unknowns um, and make it as predictable as possible. Because our system has no inputs, no chemicals ever, Mm. um, uh, you know how much it's going to cost you to produce the product. Then you know how much you can sell it for at the end. So God willing, on the weather a little bit, we're, yeah. you know, we're trying to reduce a bit of uncertainty in the whole thing. So, so getting farmers on board has is, is not been tricky for us. Um, and while the whole thing's rooted in we treat this community of people very well, we talk about them a lot and we champion them. I don't think we're gonna struggle with that side of things.
0: No, that's, that's, that's amazing. Um, what's in? Um, can you just explain a little bit about what's in your product range at the moment?
1: I'm not the best person to answer that, but, <laughs> but it's a range of flowers. It's a range of flowers that we do. Um, there's, there's, everything's stone ground. It's all, It's all. we grow wheat, um, all different types of wheat in a variety of farms uh, up and down the UK. And I say there's a legacy uh, a couple in France who were Andy's old neighbors. It all gets milled at the same place, but we have uh, bread flowers, we have pizza flour, we have cake flour, we have uh, patisserie flour. And now we're just making early, early, early baby steps into being able to sell bread to people. So a lot of people have said, we want to support the project. What you guys are doing is great, but we don't use a lot of flour. We buy everything in. Mm. So now we're selling bread to people. We've been very fortunate that people have made pasta products for us and noodle products for us and bao buns and all sorts of stuff. So we're getting into this bit where we're not doing all the manufacturing ourselves yet, um, but we have. we're getting into being a food business, like a B2B food business.
0: Okay, so that's amazing. So, if if um, anyone watching our webinar either today or um, from recording later wants to contact you and in order to buy the flowers, yeah, what's the what's the best yeah, way? Contact me,
1: and I'll put you onto my amazing commercial team because they are much smarter than me. But my email is Ed, and it's e double d at wildfarmed.co.uk. We'd be delighted to sell people flower.
0: Amazing. What are the plans for? extending the product range and scaling up. Mm.
1: So we as I touched upon we are uh, building our own production unit which is going to be a combination of uh, like a Willy Wonka's chocolate factory come Apple store come Nike town of what's <laughs> wild farmed all about because we have all these beautiful images of healthy soil and less healthy soil and then putting tasty things in your mouth so we're in the process of just figuring out um the final details of that but that will be done uh, this year and then from there because one, uh, one of the benefits we have with our product is that the emerging best in class in in the London uh, sort of food scene are attracted to it. So we have, you know, we did a lot of work with Willy's Pies at the beginning. We're doing it, like I say, with the ramen noodles, the bow buns, pizza pilgrims in Selfridges, which is Britain's most sustainable pizza restaurant. They've got every single detail in there. They've made the, the chairs out of pineapple residue. They've, um, using yeah. our flour, obviously. They've got vertical farm basil. I think the tomatoes they struggled with, but the cheese is from a UK supplier. Okay. And and um, and, uh, and so the product range will be um, B2B all sorts of different things and B2C later this year, like I say, baked goods and, and anything you can make wheat out of. And actually, I didn't go, but the rest of the team yesterday went down to Gypsy Hill where they're making a beer out of um, uh, the wild farm. So we're doing an awful lot of collaborations with other people.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's that sounds absolutely amazing. Question here from um uh Deep. Um as farming as farming's totally dependent on the weather, in the case of crop failure, hmm. how do you bear with the loss? Is it passed on to the customers?
1: Yeah, that I mean that's a good question. We we do our best to spread our risk. So we you know in the UK we are growing from Cumbria down to Cornwall. Um and we um the system, by definition, is um, is, is uh, how do I say is, is more is more versatile and and uh, more resistant to weather shocks than a conventional system would be yes. but in the yeah if we if it snows in May like everyone else, we're going to have a problem so <laughs> but we have fixed prices so that you know that the price will be the price we'll just have a you know a significantly lower yield that year.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's fair enough. I would, uh, to be honest, I always have a few people in advance of the webinars in the week um, that potentially can't join, asking asking me questions. So I have spent some time this week explaining why it's a healthier population. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, okay. Well, hopefully that answers your question, Kevin Deep. Um, all right, it's uh, we're just coming up to half past. If um, just yeah, massive thanks, Ed, for joining. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you for Very having me. Always lovely to talk to you. <laughs> and um yeah, we've put um we've put links to Wild Farm in the chat. If you want to contact us, you can do so directly if you have questions. Um, you know, we can we can forward them to Ed or you can contact Ed directly um, um, if you need help. So yeah, um thank you ever so much. Have a great thank weekend, you. everyone. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you've got a question about your product development, you can always contact us via the website www.froghop.co.uk you can pick a free of charge introductory call at www.froghop.co.uk forward slash meet you'll find a wealth of free resources for starting developing and scaling your food or drink product and business at www.froghop.co.uk forward slash resources